Straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, Carolina del Norte. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show con Chris and C.L. Brown. Nuestro invitado esta noche, Boston Globe Senior NBA Reporter Gary Washburn. And now, without further ado, Los Hermanos para los Cubanos, para los Chicanos, para los Italianos. Para los mexicanos, para los colombianos, and para todos los americanos, and all other gentes that don't rhyme, Sibling Rivalry Sports! Okay, as we begin the show, it's time for the top five sounds, the top five sports sounds of the week. Right here, the top five sports sounds of the week. Let's jump into it. Number five, the sound of Serena Williams patiently awaiting her turn at the postgame podium in France. Finish him. Sound number four, the sound of Kawhi Leonard's future with Nike. Sound number three, what NBA players hear, what NBA players actually hear from the rapper, uh, you know, the world-famous rapper Drake on the sidelines of the NBA Finals. This is what they hear. (laughs) Sound number two, what Drake sounded like after game two of the NBA Finals. And sound number one, the top sports sound of the week is the sound of UNC alumni at basketball games. Thank you very much. This has been the top five sports sounds of the week. CL! (laughs) Number one was what? Yes, thank you. Thank you for asking that, CL, because number one was actually a nod to many years ago when... Do you remember this? Oh, you might not even... You might not recall this. It was so long ago. CL, recall Mother's Day 1991 when your brother was giving part of the speech uh, for graduation in Chapel Hill. And uh, and I did a top five sound. And my number one was the sound of UNC alumni at basketball games. And then silence. And then thank you very much. <laughs> that was a nod to that. Yeah, I know it has well, nothing to do with this week. Yeah, but. that threw me out. I was like... <laughs> Were you trying to talk about the baseball game? <laughs> I was like, okay, no, okay. No, they were great at the baseball. And congratulations to UNC baseball, CL. Speaking of, Mike Fox said he wasn't superstitious, but he was on our show last week, and Carolina <laughs> advances. So yes. I'm not saying yes, it's correlated, but you know, can we say this too, CL? He he definitely came in here and said you have to win. Game one, and he he threw out he threw it all out, and I even learned a new term, which I'll get into in a minute here, because it is time for us to talk about a little bit of college baseball and major league baseball on the big playback. The big payback. The topic at hand: NCAA baseball versus major league baseball. Which is more exciting? CL. Well, I've thought about this long and hard, and I think for my taste personally, it's college baseball, and more specific, it's college baseball playoffs, essentially, the college baseball tournament. 
because mm-hmm. it's just to me to have more teams involved like in the the regional play when it's round robin first mm-hmm. and then to get a little bit more specific for these super regionals best of three and then more kind of pool play when you get down to those final teams in the college world series in, in Omaha mm-hmm. um, it just having so many different variables not knowing even when your team advances then it's a totally different opponent you you know what i mean you're not off off top knowing their lineup and their pitchers and and everything and when you're going to have the infield shifts on on hit you know it's it's just so much more to it that i i think that keeps it a little bit more lively not to mention the aluminum bats, <laughs> nice, <laughs> which literally keep it popping in college baseball. But I have a caveat. But okay. I'll let you go. No, no. Can we hear the caveat? Well, or do you want to save it? I'm saving. Okay. It. All right. Listen, listen. This is a rare show because you got hosts. First of all, because we're agreeing, so that's rare. Number two, you have hosts <laughs> that both are are definitely citing college baseball above major league baseball and the excitement factor i love what i can learn from college baseball i learn about that sport pretty much every year this time of year i learned something new about baseball this year there is a concept called opener and opener this was i don't know how i've never seen the cl but i've never seen what mike fox did the other day he came on our show and he said we have to win game one i'm putting basically all all hands on deck no matter what i'm not reserving any pitchers or anything whatever we got to do we got to do and they what they did was they they had one pitcher to open they designated as the opener and in order to save arms he was not going to pitch more than a certain number of pitches and they basically went through a lot of arms just to get through that game and win that that opening game and that's what they did and it was it was brilliant CL now see I never I've ne- I never see anything like that now listen I'm not going to lie and say I, I sit through a lot of major league games you know uh, but I, I've never seen that concept in Major League. I've never kind of come across that kind of strategy. I love it. And the most important thing to me, CL, is every game counts. In in, in college baseball, every game counts. You can literally take a nap for a month in the majors and still come well, back. Well, I disagree with that, though. Every game doesn't count because you could uh, – well, in some cases, some, some, some conferences – you won't qualify for your uh, conference tournament if you're in the basement. But you could still be the last team who slept through a month of college baseball that qualified for your conference tournament and end up winning your conference tournament. You could be a 12th place team in the conference and end up winning a conference tournament and get into the tournament. So that negates that point in terms of that. that you can't do that in Major League Baseball. You have to be one of the top uh, what four teams in each league to make the playoffs essentially? So, uh, but here, here's my caveat to it in general: mm-hmm. why Major League Baseball is better. The talent. <laughs> when you go see the big boys play and the things that they can do. When I was in Louisville, I got sent to cover uh, a series. The the uh, St. Louis Cardinals were coming to play the Cincinnati Reds. And this was when King Griffey first came to Cincinnati. Mm. So you had Griffey with the Reds. You had Mark McGuire mm. pre-steroids <laughs> and everything, you know, of that era. This was back in the middle of it. 
And so it was just like two mammoths going at it. And to see, to watch Griffey take batting practice up close, to be right there watching him with that natural swing, smacking, smacking balls out of the park. I mean, the talent level, that's why you watch Major League Baseball. Later on when I was in Louisville and, and covering the minor league team, the, the AAA Louisville Bats, uh, seeing they got Araldis Chapman. When he first came over, um, uh, defected from Cuba, I mean, that man is throwing 100 miles plus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, to see that right in front of you, you don't see that in college. You don't see the talent like that in college basketball, college baseball, I'm sorry. You can make faces if you want to. You don't. Oh, oh, oh whoa, whoa. You yes, don't. You, no, 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 I, I you disagree. Don't. I disagree that you don't see that type of talent. We had someone throwing 96 mile an hour fastballs. 96 ain't 100, bro. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, it fluctuates. I'm ser- sure, CL. I don't want to say you're 100 because I don't know that for a fact. But, look, CL, so wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I got to back up because, hold on. There are 100, how many games in the, 162, 160, CL, 162. That's more than three times than what you have. You can go to sleep, but how can you go to sleep? Because remember, we're talking about there's a ranking system that happens. Like Carolina right now, uh, I think their rank their ranking was either 14 or 17, and that if, that if, now they're going to host. 14. Thank you. They're going to host Auburn this weekend. They're going to host Auburn, but that very well could have been Carolina taking a trip to Georgia Tech simply because of the ranking, how that all worked out. So it's important to win so that you can get that home field. You're talking about an outlier. If somebody, you know, an outlier, if somebody, first of all, I don't know how they would qualify if they went to sleep for a month. It's important to win to get into the playoffs in the major leagues. Yeah, but yeah. but but the the argument was more exciting. So I, I'm, I'm sticking with the premise to me and again, I'm taking a regular season out of the equation. I'm just sticking to the postseason for both of these. I feel like college basketball, okay. the, the I keep saying college you keep basketball. keep saying it. It's not like you write for that or that's, something. That's Come a on. Freudian slip. <laughs> but um, Wait, college, is that a Freudian slip saying you think college basketball is more exciting than the NBA? Huh? Huh? Um, I would go back to the same... The same. I'm interested more in college basketball, but that's this. That ain't the playback, man. <laughs> that ain't, that ain't, that's another. Job. But I love the NBA. Don't get me wrong. Right. You know. Yeah. But I, I'm just. I've always just been more interested in. It. If we grew up in a city with Nothing NBA with franchise, then maybe I, I would. I would be the reverse. I would love the NBA more and and just watch college basketball. Maybe but, you'd be a Panthers fan too. Maybe. If we grew up, then maybe. I can go ahead and say I wouldn't be. Because <laughs> you contrarian like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you serious? Okay. Keep on. You had a point. Uh, You know, I think I made my point. I think I made my point clear. I think we need to wrap up this session. I'm glad that you think that you made your points, CL. All right. Well, either either way, though, CL, we can agree that there's congratulations in line for the University of North Carolina baseball team, the Diamond Hills, who hosts Auburn in a best-of-three Super Regional to see who goes to Omaha. A lot week. of ACC flavors. We got East Carolina's at Louisville. Well, it, that's Carolina flavor, too, you know, yeah, with, with right. ECU advancing. Mm-hmm. Duke at Vanderbilt. And uh, Florida State at LSU. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ACC is well represented mm-hmm. um, in, among these final uh, eight series for the Super Regionals. And did you hear that Oregon State lost? 
which was a huge upset. And guess who won it? Michigan. Didn't Michigan come out of that bracket? Michigan did. Huge. Now they go on to face number one UCLA as a reward. They almost lost though. UCLA, I don't, you know, you got to play the game. You do, but. <laughs> I'm not taking Michigan in that series. We'll see what those Wolverines bring. All right, well, what we're going to bring now is in our summer series of excellent guests coming, being invited back onto the show, we have yet another one. Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe will be with us right after this break. Give our, uh, give our sponsors an ear and then come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us tonight, making a repeat uh, performance, a repeat appearance, I should say. We have with us national basketball writer for the Boston Globe, Mr. Gary Washburn. What's going on, Gary? What's up, fellas? How's it going? Doing well, doing well. We had uh, Mark Spears on last week, so I have to start by asking you, when, when are you getting your master's? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like uh, now, you know, he has set the bar. He set the bar. The bar. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to challenge all of us. But I'm going to probably chase it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the docket right now. No, that, that's no. that's like back in the day when you you heard your boy hit the backboard, so you, you slapped it, and then you heard he actually dunked. Like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I ain't got it. <laughs> hey, well let's uh let's jump into the NBA finals. Um but before we get into the meat of it, I, I kinda wanted to talk on the surface uh, or, or or on the periphery. Um Taylor Rook's show on on the Bleacher Report had had DeMar DeRozan as a guest this week. And, you know, she got him talking about the trade that sent him from Toronto to San Antonio and allowed the Raptors to get Kawhi Leonard. I was curious, and, and DeRozan termed it like uh, he had to be the sacrificial lamb. And, and But what he did was to help them get to the point where they could, you know, get over the hump and get into a finals. But I was curious from your perspective, like, Kawhi Leonard has obviously been great in these playoffs, but LeBron James was out of the Eastern Conference <laughs> officially. So had the Raptors kept DeRozan, do you think they'd be in the same position? Well, probably not, because uh, I think Kawhi is just that good of a player. And I just think that the team galvanized and the team kind of formed around him, like became more confident around him. And I don't know if it would have been the same same thing with, with DeRozan. I like DeRozan, but he just doesn't bring the entire full skill set of defense combined with offense. Combined with getting to the free throw line, combined with the three pointer that Kawhi Leonard does, he's a good player. I mean, he's a top yeah. twenty player, but Kawhi's like a top three player. Yeah. I think that just made a difference. Well, was top, was Kawhi top three before the playoffs started? Like, I, I kind of feel like this has brought him out center stage totally, like in a way that he wasn't, even though 
even though to me he's shown the same skills, like I don't think he's doing anything new necessarily. But uh, how how would you characterize that? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I think he's still top three, top four, maybe top five or six. But it's been a long time since we've seen Kawhi on the stage. Obviously, you can't miss a year in the NBA. You get forgotten about. So you missed a year. Um, the Spurs, I want to say the year before, when he was healthy, got knocked out the first round. So we haven't seen Kawhi on the stage since the finals in 2014 where he was just balling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I forgot he got hurt in that uh, first round series two years ago. So we haven't seen Kawhi in this level in a minute. And I think that the NBA kind of fans, you know, just kind of forgot about him, even though he was doing real good things this year in Toronto. You know, and you also want to see him do it every night. Like, he played 60 games this year with the load management thing. So I think some fans were like, yeah, that's great if you can, you know, play every three three days like, you know, he does. But now he's doing it every night. And I just think, you know, as you guys know, everybody watches the playoffs, the games every night. So people get a chance to see the Raptors. All national television appearances, they don't get on national television much. So I think he's just gotten that exposure, and that's thrust him to being a top three, top two player maybe. Yeah. G-Wash, let's pull off the highway for a second here just to text. Uh on this topic, uh, Drake, we, we're talking about him a little bit during the show, having a little fun. Um, any insight? What do you think about uh, you know his his sideline antics? And you know, is there anything that you've seen that maybe the general public doesn't know? Have you observed him at all? Um, it doesn't bother me as much as probably other people. I mean, he's a fan. I think the I think the the NBA wants Toronto to have those diehard fans. I mean, this is a, a city that's in a, in a country that, you know, it's a hockey country. And, mm-hmm. you know, they got hockey, you know, crazy hockey highlights. Like, <clears throat> when I was in Toronto for the first two games, they literally showed replays of the Stanley Cup, you know, like, re- back to back to back. You know, like it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, it was Boston and St. Louis. There weren't no Toronto team. (laughs) Boston St. Louis, and they showed replays of the Cup all night, you know? Hmm. Um, So I think the NBA loves the fact that there's a, I don't know how you want to characterize Drake, a top five artist right now, top two, Hmm. number one, whoever, whatever kind of fan you are of Drake, you know, you got to acknowledge, I mean, he's on top, right? I mean, yes. he is one of the hottest artists out, and he has been for the past five, six years, seven years, however long, that he is a Raptors fan, and he's a diehard Raptors fan, and he's becoming that guy that, that people hate, you know, which I think is good for the team, good for the league, and the fact that a Canadian kid has em- embraced the Raptors kind of makes it a cool thing. So I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, he talks a lot of mess, but the dude didn't put up many, you know, Grammys, platinum records and all that. So he's he's uh, the top of his game, so I guess he can say those things. 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got to ask you. Uh, you said he, he doesn't bother you as much like others. Who, who are some of the others that, <laughs> that kind of get under your skin? Well, some people have issues with, the, you know, his whole, you know, uh, trash talking on the bench or, you know, or uh, patting uh, Nick Nurse's shoulders or just that he's an ever presence there. that He's thrust himself into the equation. I don't have an issue with it. But yeah, you hear complaints. And I don't think the opposing players necessarily like it. I mean, I don't know if you saw that tape of Durant and Clay Thompson trash talking him after game two where he was walking through the tunnel and they were in the same area greeting their teammates as they walked off the floor. And, you know, Clay called him Aubrey, which is his given name. I didn't know that until <laughs> yeah, he looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and called him a bum ass. Oh, so, wow. you know. Wow. I, I'm not sure. The, I, mean, I think the other players enjoy it, but I don't think – I mean, I think – you know, it gets them fired up too. <laughs> that, was that said like it, it as friends, like just kind of <laughs> joking, or was he serious? No, no, no. Clay, Clay called him bum ass. Like you know, he meant it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, which is funny. I didn't that, know Drake. Didn't that's name hilarious. I, I, that's a, you know, <laughs> I, I don't really know, guys. If you would have had the same superstar, them, which your name is Aubrey. <laughs> no, but that, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's in one of his songs. I'm pretty sure he it, says it. Well, uh, is the world ready to embrace an artist? <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Pusha T <laughs> used Aubrey before while, while he was there going there back and forth. But uh, and and if you can make it as a, as a rapper and you were in that what was it Degrassi High? Uh, Degrassi, yeah, yeah, like I, I think he's straight. An actor in Degrassi High. I, that's how I felt when I found out Ice T's name was Tracy though, way back in the day. I was like, really, Ice T? Ice Tracy. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, shifting over to the Warriors for a second. Um, are they going to make it to the finish line with all of the kind of injuries and, and different things hobbling their guys? And and will we see KD at all? Will Kevin Durant play at all in this series? Is he is he inching closer? I think he's getting closer. I, I, I think he'll shoot for game four, which is Friday, or potentially game five, which is Monday. It gives him more time. You know, now if they're down 3-1, I mean, they, I think he definitely comes back. It was 2-2, two, two, best of three. Um, I think you bring it back for game five and try to bring it home. I think a lot depends on tonight, too. I mean, if the Warriors lose and it's, they're down 2-1, there's more desperation. You know, you don't want to go down 3-1. You know, not many teams come back from that except you the 16 Cavaliers, but... You got to be. Um, they, they've got to win one of these next two, and they want to win both. But man, they are hobbled. I mean, come on, Looney's out. Thompson with the hamstring. KD's not playing with the calf. I mean, it's just been one of those things where it's, the injuries have hit their star players, and then they're gonna have to rely on their bench. And their bench has not been great this year. It's aging. You know, you Sean Livingston's. Some of those guys. I mean, they got a guy like Alfonso McKinney who kind of showed he wasn't ready for the moment in the first two games. Uh, guys like Jonas Jarepko. Um, we'll see what, what Boogie Cousins has inside of him, whether he's, you know, because he's not 100% either coming off the quad injury. So 
that's a lot of issues. I mean, they're, they're limping to the finish line. I mean, if they win this championship, it will definitely be, you know, one of those one of the more rewarding wins considering all the adversity they faced health wise. Yeah, one of the the people off the bench we know well in this area, Quinn Cook, that played at Duke, uh, starred on their um, 2015 national title team, and uh, had a pretty interesting journey to me just to get to where he is in the league and and to be uh, one of those players. Um, somebody somebody that I personally enjoy watching play and and have been rooting for him kind of as a, as an underdog once he uh, graduated Duke. Even though even though he went to the other school. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, for for a minute, you thought you were talking to me, Gary. That that's CL. CL is you know he's he's real. Uh, what do you how do you say it? Unbiased. Hey, so uh, one one other thing with with the Warriors, um, Nick Nurse threw the uh, junk defense, a uh, uh, box and one on Steph Curry in Game Two. How much of that in the league in general? When when it happened, I was I was really like, man, I was trying to think of the last time I'd ever seen something like that in the league. What what's? Can you give us a brief history on on junk defenses in the league? Like how how is this even possible that he did it? Well, now that NBA teams are allowed to play zones over the last four or five years, you will have coaches that will throw a zone like to start a quarter or just to throw a team off. But it's usually like a 2-3 or 3-2, right? They'll, you know, or full-court trap, something, you know, like full-court. They'll throw a kind of a defensive to, to, to throw a wrinkle and kind of sh- uh, shake the other team or maybe get them out of a, a good rhythm. But in this situation, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a boxing one uh, like that. Where you know one guy's chasing Curry and the other guys are in a in a square, and that's you know it's funny, but you know it's the finals. You got to try some new things, and you know um, Steph Curry called it janky. Yeah, <laughs> led to the mainstream society trying to find out what janky means, <laughs> and it's led me to watching my one of my all time favorite <laughs> classic janky promoters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so, um, you know, check that out if y'all get a chance. <laughs> um, but, you know, Modesto's finest. So, you got like. Modesto. Uh, dude, you know, you got you to take a chance at the finals. And I just think Nurse is like, listen, like, I'm trying to win this series. And but that's what I got to do to stop one of the greatest shooters in the history of the league, uh, especially when he's on the court alone as a primary scorer, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. So I don't know if they'll do it again, but I do think the um, you know the play, other players kind of found it insulting or uh, janky or whatever. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like this is, usually doesn't happen. If it is a zone, it's usually a 2-3 or 3-2 zone, you know, which is easy, you know, you, and, and some coaches do that. But this is a league where you're supposed to play man-to-man and you're supposed to, you know, you can double guys and trap. But uh, the boxing one, yeah, that's something I haven't seen, I don't know, ever in covering NBA. Hmm. All right, CL, just for the just for the listeners that don't, that aren't so far in the know, why do you call it a junk defense? Is that what you're saying, junk defense? Yeah, I mean, that's just – 
I, I don't know. I guess jargon, basketball jargon. But I, I call it junk because it's not straight up. It's not man to man. It's just kind of designed to trick you, and you know what I mean. To as Gary was saying, to get you out of your rhythm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, Gary. All right. So, as far as the compelling aspect of this series, I'm very interested to hear your answer on this one. Where would you say this series ranks? Just as far as the compelling aspect, and I'm not necessarily going into the games, just the matchup, um, you know, in the last five years uh, or or of the series that Golden State has been in, like just, you know, in recent history, how does this match up compelling wise? I think it's I think people are glad and I think it's people there's a sense of relief that's not Cleveland Golden State for the fifth straight year. Um, there's an excitement here, a new team. First time in 25 years for the Raptors. New country, um, new players. You know, we get to see Kawhi on the big stage and see how good he is. Um, because, uh, you know, we all know he's not a real rah-rah guy or me guy or, you know, his market, marketability. he's not a marketability guy. You don't see him on Instagram and plugging himself. So it's good to see one of the game's great players just play. Um, so I think there's a sense of refreshment with this series as a point comparison to another Cleveland Golden State or uh, which would have been eh, you know it just wouldn't have had any buzz even if it was LeBron again Uh, I just think I think the the league was waiting and wanted something new so um, I think it's been a general positive uh, this series especially with Toronto winning Game one. Now, if it had been 2-0 Golden State and they had one and two blowouts, then yeah. But the fact that Toronto won that first game and they looked pretty impressive doing it, it's added major intrigue and made this series fun. No doubt. Well, that is our time, Gary. We'll let you go on this one question. Uh, who you got? Yes. <laughs> who do you have winning it? Who's your MVP? I'm going to go for the, you know, Warriors. I just think they're the better team. I think they're going to wear them down. And I'm going to go for Draymond Green. I'm going to take mm. a wild card here. Draymond Green is my MVP. He's had two really good first two games. You know, but Curry, I think people will want Curry to win it because he's never won in finals MVP. Obviously, North Carolina ties there. But mm-hmm. I think Draymond's going to get the MVP, and I think the Warriors will win in six. No doubt, no doubt. There you have it, folks. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. We thank you, Gary, for joining us. Excellent. And stay tuned on the other side of our commercial break. We're coming back with more Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. It's time for some NFL, an NFL topic that I think is relevant to the both of us, because the one area of fandom that you will allow the public eye to see is that you are a Steelers fan. I'm a Ravens fan, both AFC North teams. And so we have Nate Burleson 
on the NFL Network making this claim. The Browns, the Cleveland Browns, we both heard so everybody has heard so much about the Browns this offseason. The Cleveland Browns, are they the Golden State Warriors of the NFL? <laughs> I got a lot of respect for Nate Burleson as as a former player and, and now as an analyst. Um He's, uh, I think he's a smart and articulate cat, but I think he's way off on this one. <laughs> way off on this one. Oh, because they haven't won anything. You can't, yes. how are you going to call them Golden State? Golden State's been to five straight finals. Right. You know, they're going for their fourth championship right now. Yeah. And, and the Browns, I, I, when's the last time they've been in the playoffs? Thank you. So, 90 something, 90, no, 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 I'm sorry, 2001, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right now, the, the Browns, what they're doing is assembling a paper champion team. Yes. They are yes. the paper champions of the NFL <laughs> offseason. That's what they are right now. Yeah, you know what people are forgetting? I don't know why people always do this. People are forgetting, first of all, that the Browns fired Hugh Jackson, you know, three quarters of the way through the season, the season last year. Maybe it was a little less than that. Okay. A, 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 a very capable offensive mind. They got rid of him. All right? And they let Greg Williams take over. The defensive coordinator took over. Now, Williams is, he is, you know, he was able to, you know, take his his really organized ways and, and his, his experience as a head coach and make something of that team. All right? He's gone. CL. Why is he gone, by the way? We didn't hear a lot about that, but he why wasn't he the head coach? They instead got Baker Baker, Baker Mayfield's offensive coordinator and promoted him as a head coach. And I'm just saying and Williams he could have stayed or whatever. Williams is with another team now, CL. Williams left because he's like, wait, I, I should get this. And so he's out of there. They they lost what he brings to the table, and that includes his defensive prowess. He's a great defensive coordinator. They are not going to be the same team with a brand new head coach. Everybody's just breezing over it and saying, "Oh, they got stars. They got stars. They got stars. They're gonna be folks." This is the AFC North. You can this this ain't Hollywood. This is the AFC North. You will get smacked right in the mouth. If you come in with star power, but don't bring the grit and the bones. Well, I, I don't have quite a soliloquy as dramatic as that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just feel like, especially for a franchise that's been as down as the Cleveland Browns have been, mm-hmm. they need to just shut up, keep their head down, stay in the corner somewhere, and won't go out and win games. And and what I don't like... See, I, I like Maker, Baker... May, <laughs> I'm Baker messing up Mayfield. his name. Baker Mayfield. I liked him in college. As he's been with the Browns, and this has nothing to do with Steelers-Browns. This just has to do with... It, I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of him. Uh, and and he just recently, he called out Duke Johnson, mm-hmm. who basically asked to be traded because now he's he's lower on the, on the rung of running backs they've assembled there. And so, um, which is fair. I mean, and, and I feel like a golden rule in the NFL locker room is you don't get involved in another player's business mm-hmm. like that when it's, mm-hmm. when it's about about his money, about his contract, whatever, you don't you don't involve yourself like that. And mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is making it seem like, you know, uh, almost this this us against them kind of mentality already calling out Duke Johnson on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, he may think he's being a good leader, but we'll see how it all plays out. And again, 
It comes down to winning games, man. Mm-hmm. Browns haven't won anything yet. They they they've at least gotten people excited and they've shown more potential sure. on paper. Once again, we get back to that phrase <laughs> than than they have in a long time. But that just means they've been terrible for a long time. That's all that means. Thank you. I mean, look, look. They had an opportunity, a real outside shot at the end of last season of making the playoffs. They would have needed help, but they also needed to take care of their business, which was beating the Ravens, which they could not do. And what I remember after that game is Williams went up to Coach John Harbaugh in their handshake, being a great sport that he is, and he said, he said, Basically, hey, what y'all are running? Barely, nobody's gonna stop that. That's basically what he said. I got stopped, but but he was just <laughs> he was just acknowledging, hey, we we gave it our best shot, and they couldn't do it with Baker, with Mister All World, who's won not a thing. Baker Mayfield, I'm just saying, a little bit of the fandom coming out, see ya. All right, so a little bit. Yeah, let's move on. To the next segment, when we come back, it'll be brown out again. Give our sponsors your ear, and we'll have some more fun coming back. Sibling Rivalry Sports, 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for the brownout. The brownout. Austrian tennis player Dominic Thiem quipped that Serena Williams had a bad personality after her request for an immediate press conference got Thiem bumped from the French Open's main interview room. Does he have a point? I'll let you take this first one. Do you think Serena was out of line? What's wrong with her personality? (laughs) So, CL, you know what? Maybe, maybe not. She's Serena. She she is the face of women's tennis these days and a lot of days before these. And so all I want to say is, you know, calling her, saying she has a bad personality, I would love to see some U.S. athletes respond on the behalf of Serena. That's where I am. Man, that dude better bow down to the queen and be glad to be in her presence. (laughs) That's all I got to say on it. Next question. The Big Ten named Kevin Warren as its new commissioner to replace the outgoing Jim Delaney. What do you think about the hire? So Kevin Warren has has big shoes to fill. I think Jim Delaney kind of set the standard, uh, especially creating the Big Ten network. He set a template for other conferences to think big and, and and basically I mean let's be honest professionalize this this is part of the professionalization of college sports mm-hmm. uh, so I think Kevin Warren has has a nice platform set up for him um, and I think based on his past that he's going to do a great job I'm glad to see that the Big Ten uh, took a step outside of the box and, and got Kevin Warren in place. He's the, the basically the first uh, person of color among the Power Five conferences. So hats off to him. I think he's going to do a good job. Kevin Warren has never uh, had any collegiate administrative experience. Uh, relationship with Big Ten athletics has been non-existent, except for having the same city as University of Minnesota. He's never negotiated a $1 billion TV contract. He's an excellent, excellent hire for a number of reasons. But first of all, I would point to this, that the former Viking COO 
have you seen that new stadium? I mean, seriously, that is a beautiful, beautiful place. Which, Final Four, yeah. Yeah, th- you were there. I was there. Tell us about <laughs> You were there. That was actually rhetorical, did I realize <laughs> that you were there? That, that stadium's no joke, yes? No, it's no joke. Yes, it's great. And and not only that, but think about it. If it were Cleveland, but we'd be concerned. Uh, you know, they have, but the Vikings have been, they're consistent, like, as a team, as a franchise, you know, as a brand. They're consistent. You know what I'm saying? So I, I love it. And the thing I love the most, CL, and I'm with this, he can bring more of a playoff look to the end game in college football. Yeah. Let's hope so. Question three. The rapper Drake has gotten more airtime for his courtside antics cheering on the Toronto Raptors than for his songs lately. Is it time for the NBA to rein him in? I think Drake has crossed the line and and I don't know who's going to have to reel him back in. But I think it, it goes back to the Milwaukee series with me where... Um, He's he's just <laughs> he just needs to take a seat, man. Just enjoy the game. You don't need to be hounding athletes. You definitely don't need to be giving uh, Nick Nurse a massage <laughs> on the shoulders during timeouts. That's that's doing way too much, man. And I, and I think I, I hope nothing happens to where we're we're gonna see some kind of uh, you're gonna have to change the way courtside seats are are. Or, or placed. I mean, he's basically half court as it is. I, I don't. I don't want him to do something that's going to cause some kind of crazy change. Just enjoy the game, root hard for the Raptors, and keep it moving. I mean, you know, a little, a little, you know, banter. That's that's cool. But I just think Drake is so hyped for his hometown boys. You know, it's just spilling over. And and I agree. I, I would like to see him uh, pull it back a little bit. Maybe take some lessons from Spike Lee on how to how to do it, how to pull it back. Not that's a joke. Next question. USC says former men's basketball coach Tony Bland quote significantly damaged the reputation of USC as an institution end quote for his role in the FBI probe into corruption in the sport. What do you say? I think USC is is way way out of line here. Significantly damaged the reputation when when they had. Basically, uh, another Larry Nasser situation where a, a doctor uh, abused, uh, assaulted many different athletes over a period of time. Um, you know, you've got professors uh, uh, making or, or using meth in, in their labs on campus. And, and you're pointing to Tony Bland <laughs> as damaging the reputation. I don't think so. I, I think USC is and not to mention the, the whole scandal with the college admissions. Uh, where people were using their influence, wealthy, True. you know, the actresses. I forgot the names of the two. Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Betty from <laughs> Full House or whatever. Like, UNC is in the middle of that, too. I don't want to hear nothing about Tony Bland from USC. See, my kids will not be attending the University of Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> Next! Kawhi Leonard is suing Nike for essentially stealing his claw design that he now wants to take the New Balance. Who wins the case? Yeah, you know what, CL? When I read this, I just got the gut feeling that Kawhi is not only is he going to win, but I really believe he's got a point. I believe that, you know, in, in this day and age of, of athlete, it makes more than enough sense that if you think about it, that he, he has created his own logo, that he was working on it and created it and he brought it to the table. And that, that seems a little sketchy, a little shady that, that they went and got that... Uh, 
you know, whatever patent or whatever copyright on it without him knowing. Uh, what y'all doing out there, folks? Well, um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I think Nike's whole purpose in this is they don't want him taking that logo to New Balance with him. Well, you know, they don't want New Balance to be able to use that logo since they've already kind of established the, you know, established the print, regardless of whether Kawhi made it to begin with or not. Um, so it'll be interesting how it plays out. It's probably a bad look for Nike to fight it. You know, I mean, they should probably just let it go. But uh, I guess it just comes down to to whatever licensing agreement that that Leonard and Nike made, and in terms of who's going to win and how it'll play out. Well, and you know, CLC uh, sibling rivalry sports comes down to whatever agreement that we make or don't make. And and this week, it's been a lot in the latter category, but some of the former, and that's what makes it great. CL. So, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week with another great show. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown, and this is sibling, sibling rivalry, rivalry sports, sports on 97.9 The Hill.